Carol and I have been together 49 years, and she's still working to bring me to the place that she wants me. It's been a full-time job for her. When you add to that ministry relationship and responsibilities, the truth of it is marriage uh, in, in some ways can be even more stressful if we don't follow the Bible and we don't work together and deal with what's wrong and don't have conversation, um, it's really impossible. And we've seen the demise. Uh, there are as many marriages within ministry that end, unfortunately, in divorce uh, or with immoral failure too often, uh, as well as now the stress of suicide and all that being added to it. We picked the right couple to come and talk to us. I have heard them share this, and that's one of the reasons, after hearing them, that we need to hear what they have to say to us about ministry uh, and marriage. So it's my pleasure to uh, introduce a friend from a couple of years now, Archbishop Willie Bolden and Pastor Rhonda Bolden. Come and tell us how we ought to be living. Amen. Go ahead. Welcome. Good afternoon. What Brother Rod says, I mean, Rod, Brother Dennis, it's so true. I was sitting there thinking uh, when, when Sister was preaching, I was saying, God, I hope they can get ready to call us right after her because I'm about to fall asleep. So, you, know, I, you know, up so tired. The message was so powerful this morning. Come on. Yes. Come on. And my body just worn out because I've been running at the convention, at the convention, at the convention. And I'm just, I was beat. So I was saying, good God, we got this break between I can maybe get rejuvenated. And so I have gotten a little <laughs> rejuvenated. Before. Let me let me share uh, something that, first of all, we're not experts on this subject, but we're experienced in this subject. We're not experts. I'm, I was married for 39 years, and uh, my wife, uh, some of you knew, died of breast cancer. And uh, the Lord allowed me to come in contact with this beautiful lady here. Uh, now, about five years in January, it'll be five years. I was uh, I was back here preaching, uh, I think around 2004 or something, and with my wife who was deceased, and uh, she was at the meeting. And the Lord, it was a crazy thing, because I want to share how the Lord does things. She was sitting somewhere back, almost back in the back of the church, and God gave me a word for her. And so I called her up, and I told her, most of you know we've been talking about civil rights and relationships. Her dad was probably the premier civil rights leader in this city, Reverend Dr. Jesse White. Let's come and give God some praise for him. Amen. Yes. And, and, and so uh, he was my first pastor in this city. So I, I saw her. I'm, I'm, she, I robbed the cradle. She's, <laughs> yes, She's much younger than I am, but, but I, uh, I'm just so thankful 
But anyway, back at that service, I called up and, and the Lord, before I called up, I, I, I was confused because what was God was giving me was for someone who was in ministry and I knew nothing about her being in ministry. I'm saying, I'm saying Lord, he said, am I hearing you or this is wrong or right? He told me to tell her that the mantle of her father was upon her. And that uh, I had other brothers and sisters, but the mantle of her father was upon her. And he told me to take off my robe at the time and place it on her. And tell her that a portion of my mantle was going to be upon her. And I, again, I'm married. I'm not thinking about nothing but ministry. But God knows what he's doing. So he says, take your robe off, put it on her, tell her that a portion of your Mass is going to be up on her, and you're going to help expose the ministry to places like Africa, Jamaica, South America, places that she had never been before. And so uh, I, I did. But the problem was, I, my brother, Melvin, I placed over the church here, somehow got my phone number in the bulletin of the church. And uh, a young lady got over to it, and she was calling me, and she was saying stuff I didn't need to hear. So I went and had my phone number changed so she could never get in contact with me for me to help her with the ministry. And so when my wife passed, I came back up to Fort Wayne to, I brought her here uh, to do her, her funeral. And uh, after the service, I was thanking people for being there. And they, uh, they, uh, one of the people was her sister, Pat. And so Pat said, uh, uh, did I hear that you moved to Atlanta? I said, yeah. She said, well, you know, my sister, Rhonda lives here. I said, well, give me her number. I call her. You know, that's my, my pastor's uh, daughter. I take her out to lunch. And I tell her all the time, all I was intending to do was take you out to lunch. And so I come, take you out to lunch. And next thing I know, I'm standing at an altar granny. <laughs> And uh, so very proud to have this, this woman as my wife. She is, and I told her the other day, I said, it would take four women to replace you. So I said, I'm going to have to stay with you because it would take four women to, to replace And I mean that sincerely from my heart. That's the kind of woman she is. And she is, I mean, her mom and dad groomed her for this time and for this season. She is a powerful preacher of the gospel of her own. And as a matter of fact, while we're sitting in the, 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 in the lunch eating, one of my friends who is worldwide in a certain area called me to ask me would I permit him to begin to groom her for world ministry. And he, he, he and says, sure. <laughs> So I am so proud of, of her. He saw that in her, saw that ability in her, and wanted to do it. Uh, you know, my, my ministry and, and even those, a lot of the things I know about marriage came out of this ministry. It came out of this ministry as I, uh, we talk about putting the races together. Uh, I used to pass uh, Calvary Temple. And uh, I, uh, for those who don't know, I was a, little bad boy out here in these streets. I was a bad boy out in these streets. I was a drug dealer and pimp in this, in right here in this city. And I used to pass this church, and I would say to myself, you know, if I would go anywhere to church, I'd say, I'd go there. 
That's because it looked like they're doing something. They had buses everywhere. But I will always end it by saying, but they're a white church. You see how the enemy, as I'm starting to see that, that God was speaking to me, but I was not, a, I, I couldn't hear God because of race. And I, I said, no, that's a white church, so they wouldn't want me there. And so most of you know my story, how I wandered in the place one night. Me and my bodyguards, we thought we were going into a nightclub and walked into a Christian coffee house. That was the youth ministry for Calvary Temple. <laughs> and so this was on a Wednesday night. I get the wrong night. Wednesday night, go in. I give my life to the Lord. Thursday night, I found out they had church. That church that I wanted to go to anyway, I went there on Thursday night. Friday night, I came back to the concert that I thought was on Wednesday night. Saturday night, I was in prayer meeting at the church. Sunday, I was in church all day. Monday, I was in Bible college. That's how quickly God snatched me off the street and began to, <clears throat> began to start His work off of me. So, so, uh, so I, I, I just give that uh, brief introduction, and and now we want to share. If you can turn, put the uh, the uh, thing up, I share. Thank you. Okay, I, I want to do. We want to do this a little differently today. I want to talk about. Uh, building something because if you a marriage, like everything, has to have to be built, and you have to if you want to build it successfully, you have to use the design that God intended to use. We have to use how God intended for us to be. And so, the first thing, the first point, and then my wife will let my wife share some things. The first thing that you need is synergy. Uh, in other words, we need to synchronize our energy. That, that uh, if you're going to do anything. So we've been talking about diverse culture, but even in marriage, there's diversity. And somehow you have to take people from complete different backgrounds, bring them together to cause a relationship. In this particular passage, we're talking about uh, they, they building the temple and building the city. And Ezra, he said, and when the seventh month had come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man in Jerusalem. So the first thing that we need to find out, what is our purpose for our marriage? Where are we going? The Bible says, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? So we, we have to have some kind of agreement before we can ever move forward. We've got to know the direction. What, what do you want out of life versus what I want out of life? And, and she and I... Both have been through some, some relationship problems in the, in the past. Uh, let us share some of that. Hallelujah. Uh, first, I want to thank God for this opportunity. Thank God for my awesome husband and for Mr. Dennis and for Carol. I appreciate you so much. God bless you. Um, and all the other ministers as well. Um, I married as a virgin at 27, and uh, my husband, uh, my first uh, husband that I was married to was married to another woman and had a baby with her while we were married. And he never divorced her. He wasn't living with her, but when I found out, we had over a thousand people at our wedding. My dad was very well known here. Um, yeah, he really broke the chains of racism tried to here in Fort Wayne. Jesse Jackson did my dad's eulogy at a Calvary um, Temple, which is now First Assembly when uh, he passed away in 2001, but in the 50s, he started doing boycotting with Jesse Jackson and some others, and we had three 
across the front in front of our yard from the KKK. And I think when I was growing up and, you know, saying, get out of town, ends. And, you know, we went through all of that and threats on our lives all the time when I was uh, younger. But um, we had a lot of people at the wedding. I was so embarrassed to find out that I knew a person six years in the church and two years engaged and didn't know if he lied and said he was never married before, but he was and never divorced the lady, so our marriage is null and void. Then I met a preacher at a big conference about a year and a half later, and he started wanting to see me from Michigan. And, and he eventually asked me to marry me. We got married. I moved. That's how I moved to Atlanta. And he became uh, very mean and abusive, and I would run out of the house to keep from getting hit because, you know, I made him run out of breath because I'd run right around that dining room table and say, catch me if you can. And I just, he didn't show signs of anger when we were dating. So, um, anyway, going through all of that and ended up, I, you know, gave him a chance to get counseling, found out it's sister, I called her and said, why is your brother so angry? I'm trying to be the best wife I can the way I was taught, and he can't receive my love. What's wrong? And so, uh, and I'm sharing this because sometimes in marriage, you do the best you can, and you have to really ask yourself, was this God's best for me? And so when you're in the marriage, you don't want to leave because you know God hates divorce, Malachi chapter 2. But in the same token, whom God has joined together, let no man put asunder. If God didn't join it, it's already thundered. <laughs> Bad English, but it's thundered. It done thundered. <laughs> and so I found myself the second time under the age of 40 so disappointed. Remained a virgin at 27, hoping I'd have my kids. I didn't even get to have kids, by the way. You know, I love Bishop, and we have kids with him and everything. But, you know, it just was amazing that I went through this in my life. I was so disappointed. But God in all of that was telling me in the 15 years I was divorced after the second time um, and waiting on him and fasting, he said, now I want you to be married to me. I want you to be a good wife to me. Isaiah 54, I'm thy husband. The Lord God Almighty is his name. If you can be a good wife to me and I'm invisible, you'll be the best wife ever to the physical manifestation of me here on earth. So God prepared me for bishop. And two years before he came, God said to me, you're going to marry a bishop and a widower. No, no joke. And so I began to pray fast. He told me I needed to lose weight. I was a little overweight. He told me to start getting my thinking higher, to start dressing royal, classy, and elegant, to represent the king of kings and my king that was going to be in the house as the best I could. Because if I was in the, um, the, the courtroom or if I was um, going for a job interview, I would look good. And it's just like when I pray to God in the morning, I brush my teeth, I do my hair, I fix myself up, I put on my robe, and I lay prostrate. I don't go to him with bad breath. I don't go to him with my hair all over my head because if I was with my husband, I wouldn't do that. So it, before he came, God was just preparing me. So to the, to the um, married women in, in this part of what I went through, it didn't make me bitter. It made me better. And I wondered, was there something I did to make him want to hit me, to make this person deceive me and tell me he was never married? What, what part did I play? And the answer God gave to me was this. 
when you are not whole and complete in Him, you look for things to fill up those holes. So you end up attracting who you are and not what you want. So I didn't love myself like I thought I did. And a lot of times we end up with less than what God has for us because we have not allowed ourselves to not rush and get with a person, but, but to get with our ultimate Heavenly Father and our husband to, for Him to groom and prepare us and to fill up our holes and make us whole. So that's what happened with me and helping me to be a better woman once we came. Fifteen years of prayers, this is my answer. Isn't he a handsome answer? Well, well, listen. Uh, now, also, I want to share something with you uh, on another uh, on another vein concerning uh, our relationship and marriage. Uh, I had a, a large church here. We, we, had, we were running over 2,000 people in the church. And a lady had a little church around the corner. She had about 10, 15 people. And she walked around to my church and she said, I've come around here because the Lord has told me to give you a word. And, you know, when you're young and right out of Bible college, you know everything, so what else could she add add to all you already know? And so she comes around and she tells me something I think that will help a lot of us today because I, I was at the place where I was putting the ministry above even my wife. I can't hear nobody. And so the lady walks around the corner and she tells me this. She said, the Lord sent me around here to tell you, you don't have to die for these people he did. You didn't hear that. Because I was putting all of my energy, talking about synergy, I was putting all of my energy in the one aspect of my life I was not, I was not diverse. I was not able to separate part of my life out for this. Everything was ministry. Everything was about the ministry. I got to get the ministry, the ministry, the ministry, the ministry. At the neglect of wife and family. So this little, little lady, when she told me those words, it was like someone took a building and lifted it up off of me. Because I know at the time what I would do is I was praying, preaching, and worrying. Why don't they change? Why don't they hear the message God is sending? Now all I do is preach and pray. Uh, the Bible says that the God that watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. And, and since he's going to be up, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'm not, not going to be up worried. So, so the first thing of it is we got to get things in order. we got to get our energies going in the right direction. You can't put all your focus in your ministry, or, or if you do, you will destroy your home. You cannot, God put it this way to me. He said, I want you to go home to your wife because that's mine you're messing with. You miss that. That one that you're really overly in love with, that's my wife. The church. Go home to the one I gave you. <laughs> so, so we have to learn how to put our energy uh, in, in the right place to change the you got, you, you, you got to put uh, Here's the next thing is, notice what they did here. Then Yeshua, the son of Josedek, and his brother and the priest 
and Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, and his brethren, arose, built the altar of God, the God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. The next thing is in order to have a strong marriage or build anything, you got to build from the altar out. The first thing that they built was the, was, was the altar. If you do not have a prayer life, the, there were there were about three or four men. I always tell people this: there's no self-made man. If you think you're self-made man, you're deceiving yourself. There there were some men that God put in my life, Pastor John Lloyd. Pastor Paul Pano, Archbishop Vincent Andrew Idahosa from Nigeria. These three men all had something in their life that changed my life. They had an intense prayer life. All three of them. They were all great men. And if you follow the life of any great man, you will always find that they prayed. They were men of prayer. Your marriage will never be anything if you don't have a prayer life with your mate. Not just alone. You need a prayer life with your mate. Every morning, basically, when I'm near her, one of the things I do is I lay my hands on her head as king and priest of our home, and I bless her for the day. I bless her to be healthy, to be prosperous. That everything that she does that day will prosper. You, you got to come into a relationship with your wife that you realize the position that God is giving you. I'm sharing uh, with the, some for the, the convention that God is getting ready to give us next year. It came out of Isaiah, and I'm, no, no, I'm sorry, Zechariah 6:13, and he talked about the throne of the king and the throne of the priest, and there was not going to be any difference between the two. A lot of times in our homes, we only operate as priests. Or we sometimes only, only operate as king. We provide. We provide, but we don't we don't pray over our mate. We don't we don't sanctify that which God has given us. Somehow the merger has to come together. You, uh, just because you provide for your family is it, not that you're really truly providing. Money alone is not an answer. A house alone is not an answer. There's much more. So every, especially every man over his household should take his kingship, priestly ministry, and make certain that that house is covered in prayer. Let, let me tell you one of the reasons why. When I was in the world, I was demon-possessed. I had the power. I was in the martial arts. I could levitate people across rooms. I could jump up and kick ceilings and get back down to my feet. I had a Doberman picture that I named Lucifer. I can control him. I can control him by thought. I can make him do something that an ordinary dog can't do. I can tell him before, tell you before you come in the room what spot he's going to sit on and make him sit on that particular spot. This earth is filled with spiritual opposition to what you're trying to build. That's right. You better hear me. This earth is filled. I used to have fights in this, this city and not physical fights. I would have spiritual fights with other people who were demon-possessed. And I would be so tired that I would have to go home and rest like I'd had a physical fight because of the spirit.
spiritual forces that are here. And those forces are turned against you and your family. It's turned against you and your family. You see, I, I wrote my last book, I wrote it called King to King. And, and, and a king has to teach another king how, how to become a king. David had to teach Solomon how to become a king. And one of the things that David told Solomon was this an amazing thing. He said, there's a couple fellows, don't let their gray head go down to the grave uh, in, in peace, because they were my enemies. Now notice that I want you to catch this. They were not Solomon's enemies. They were David's enemies. But because David was Solomon's king, it became his enemy. Satan at one time was not our enemy. But the moment we made Jesus our king, he became our enemy. And I'm telling you, he does not want to see your marriage survive. He wants to destroy your marriage. And you're going to have to spend some time in prayer. A godly marriage. Marriage is a true gift from above, created by God and fashioned in love. So never, ever take it for granted. But in prayer and the Word, be sure to stay planted. Don't dare to try to do it alone, you see. For marriage does not take two, but undeniably three. The husband, the wife, God, the husband, and the wife for the rest of your life. God revealed to me years ago with a father that was a godly husband to my mom. Married her as a virgin at 19. That's who inspired me out of nine kids. I chose to wait before I got into sexual activity, before marriage. And I remember sitting all nine of us down every morning having daily devotion before we caught the bus. And that word and prayer was instilled in me when I became single and when I got married right out of dad's house at 27, went from my dad's house to my first husband's house. And, and from then on, and even after going through the trauma I did, I continued to prayer life. This is how this awesome man of God manifested to me, through fasting and praying. Seven, um, I think it was seven, the sixth month of 2014, I, the Lord has spoke to me and said, um, I want you to go on a fast because you've gotten mad with me. In December of 2013, uh, October 2013, my birthday, which is coming up the 21st of October, I sat in Rich Carlson. I love royal and elegant things. And I went to the Rich for the first time in Atlanta on Peach Street. And I sat there with tears falling down my face, looking out the window, saying, God, I'm a good woman. I love being married. I love serving my husband. What in the heaven going on? What the heaven going on? It's been 15 years since I've been married. This is crazy. I'm a lot of my childbearing years and my fun times. I want to travel with my husband. What is going on? And I remember saying, I am not going to spend another birthday by myself. I am not going to spend another New Year's Eve by myself. I am not. So the waiter comes over and says, ma'am, ma'am, why are you crying? Who are you talking to? <laughs> And I said, I'm just praying to the Lord because I just can't believe He let me be this by myself this long. And I'm crying. He said, don't cry. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. That was October 2013. December 2013, praying again one morning, 
the Holy Ghost speaks to me on Christmas Day and says, pick out your ring because your husband is on the way. So I went online after praying, picked the ring out, and he said, put it on Facebook as your profile picture and do not bring it down until I present your Boaz. No more Bozos, it's time for Boaz. So I picked the ring out, put it on Facebook, took my picture down, put the ring up, and the ladies went crazy. Oh, my God, that ring. Are you getting married? I said, yeah, I'm getting married. I don't know who it is, but I'm getting it. And so, so I kept it up, and that was Christmas. The next year came in. I was at Pastor Preston Dollar for almost six years. Never got to meet him, unfortunately, but I was there. And I used to say for almost six years, I said, I've been going to this church, all of these nice men. No one's ever approached me for dinner or anything. Watch what you say. This guy comes and approaches me. He says, I see you every Sunday by yourself. You are so beautiful. You dress so sharp and classy. Are you married? I said, no. And so we went to dinner that day. Well, long story short, about two or three months passed, and he wanted to enter into a relationship, so we did. That anger, I don't know why I was attracted, because I don't like angry or mean people. Look at your neighbor and tell him, be nice. And so he began to come out like my ex did, and I was like, and that, and that makes me run. I told Bishop, I said, my, my ex, I told him, I said, I, after I gave him a chance for, for a counseling for a year and he wouldn't go to counseling, I got tired of running out of my own house. I told him, I said, you're going to come home for work one day and I'm going to be gone. I left a letter on the, on the table that says, you asked for it, you got it, Toyota. And Bishop said, you're not going to write me a Toyota letter, are you? <laughs> I said, you be nice. But anyway, so I went, I went through that year, and then around June, God said, go on a fast. I went on a fast, no food, no water, no talking, no phone, no email, no computer, no TV, for seven days. And on the seventh day, I sat on the side of the bed and said, God, I've done everything you said. By that eighth day, the next day, the Holy Ghost says, write down what you want. This is what I prayed. I wrote down and I prayed this. I am lavishly loved by God in my future, kingdom-minded, divinely prepared, anointed and appointed, wise and on the rise, healthy, wealthy, tall, rich and handsome, sexy, romantic, passionate, business-minded, keen and not mean to me, respectable preaching machine, faithful husband that I shall happily be married to until God takes us home. I dare to declare and truly believe that, God, you have someone especially for me. I trust you, Lord. And in praying that prayer and declaration on the mirror in my bathroom for almost a hundred days, I got a call for lunch from here. So tell your neighbor prayer works. She got, she got part of that prayer, because y'all keep praying, maybe she get the rest. <laughs> so, the other thing that we, we have to do, a lot of times we don't look back at past, our past to gain victories. You know, your past relationships, bad relationships, can be the best school you could ever go to to help you in your new relationship. If you can just look back at those things and then begin to uh, celebrate these small victories. Now, we, we try to keep our marriage exciting. Celebratory. Um, one day she still tell her story, but one, one day, well, Christmas, I'm going to tell you her, her, this story. On Christmas morning, uh, I 
get celebrated together. This is our first Christmas together. Uh, I come out of the room singing to her. Merry Christmas, baby. You sure did treat me. She was in the kitchen cooking breakfast. I can't tell you all the whole story. <laughs> Ladies, when I was shopping for Christmas food to cook some greens and black-eyed peas and homemade buttermilk cornbread and yams and okra and all that, and I was at the Walmart, and God said to me, you see that red feather boa? Put it in the cart. And you see that set there, the, the uh, 90 set there that's black and red with the diamonds on it? Put it in the cart. So I said, what are we going to do with this? He said, put it in the cart. So I followed the leading of the Holy Ghost. I put it in the cart. And that morning, I know Bishop loves my shrimp omelets, and I have a recipe God gave me for homemade uh, black, uh, excuse me, blueberry pecan pancakes. And I was, uh, the Lord said to go and get refreshed. And ladies, this is for you. We're all adults. I got refreshed. I put on that beautiful black and red two-piece set with the diamonds on it. I put that red feather bore around my neck, put on my three-and-a-half-inch heels. I went in the kitchen and cooked that shrimp omelet, and I'm at the stove, and I timed it. I said, he's going to be getting up in a minute. And he got up, and I'm cooking those pancakes, and I'm in my heels, and I got my feather. And he came in, and he almost fainted. <laughs> he said, he said, get by the Christmas tree. Let me take a picture. <laughs> He said, I'm scared. my breakfast. <laughs> so, ladies, you've got to. And again, I didn't plan on buying that. I was just getting some smoked turkey for my greens at Walmart. But God, the Holy Ghost said, get that. And that was a surprise for him for Christmas morning. Do something different. What I did one day, we were in Atlanta. And uh, she didn't go to the restroom in our bedroom. She went to the restroom down the hall. And I knew she was in that restroom. So I went there, and I started at the restroom door, and I started putting money down all the way down, $20, $50, $5, all the way from the, from the bathroom to the bedroom. And it, the money started at where she was and ended up at where I was. And what did you say you going to do? I told him, I said, oh, I'm going shopping after I take care of business. <laughs> So there has to be some some small victories in your marriage. You, 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 yeah, you, you, there's got to be some time that you made marriage interesting. It can't be boring. It, it, it has to be exciting. If, if, if it's not exciting, then men mind wonder. Yeah, y'all missed that. And 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 we got to eliminate the stress in our home. I tell women all the time. I said the reason men get a mistress is because they miss stress. You missed that one. You, you missed that one. You missed that one. You missed the stress. So we want to relieve all of the stress to have, have the, these victories that we, we conquer in our home where there's no stress. It's a stress-free place. David had to go to battle, and he had to leave battle and come back to Ziglag. Ziglag means place of pressure. So, I mean, he would go out and fight a battle and come home to pressure. He should not have, to, your husband should not have to go out and fight the battle and then come home to pressure. You should be able to relieve all of the pressure you possibly can that give him a place of rest that he can go back to the battle again the next day. That, that's important. 
That's why we have to have a stretch. My, 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 kid, my kids are over. I heard somebody talk about uh, football, and I, I prayed for him. He stayed with a Cleveland fan. But anyway, in college, my, my, my team is Alabama. Uh, that's why when uh, my brother back there said, when you said Florida, I said, no, Alabama. That's where, where he's from. And so my, 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 I'm from Mobile originally. So, so that, that was my team. So we had my kids and my grandkids over uh, to watch the game. And one of my grandkids was upset with her mother, and she was trying to, you know, express that. And I told her, I said, you know, baby, Papa loves you. But either you or that got to go outside because we don't have that kind of stress in our house. You got to have a place where you and your husband can rest. My advice, one of the things that I, I, I try to share with my wife, is that when we close the door of the bedroom, leave all those folks on the outside. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that one. You missed that one. When you go into my, when we go into this bedroom, we're not taking Mike and John and Joe, uh, Sister Jackson and uh, Sister Pierce. We're not taking none of them in the bedroom with us. Now, when we come back out, we'll pick them back up. But, but now we're going into this place for me, you, and God. I want to say this, ladies. I want you to repeat after me, ladies. Stand up on your feet, ladies. Real quick, real quick. We're running out of time. Real quick, ladies. Come on, I want you to repeat after me. I've got to take it to the throne and leave it alone. Come on, let's say it again. Take it to the throne and leave it alone. Come on, take it to the throne and leave it alone. Come on, take it to the throne and leave it alone. One more time. Take it to the throne and leave it alone. Long, long, long. So when you pray, let your knees do the talking and close your mouth. Because when you are with your mate, you cannot have victory with the mouth putting lighter fluid on the fire. Because your knees will do much more for you than your mouth ever will. Here, here is something I, I had like to the bed. See that, but I would repeat it. And Ezra says, now in the second month of the second year, they're coming to the house of God in the room as a rule of the son of Shakir, Jeshua the son of Josedach, and the rest of the brethren and the priests and the Levites, and all those who had come out of the captivity to Jerusalem began to work, notice it, and appointed the Levites from 20 years old and above. Here's the next thing that you got to do in your church and in your ministry to have more time for your family. You need to delegate. There's some stuff you don't have to do. Let me say it one time. There's some things that you do not have to do. On Fridays, we make date night. That's, that's date night for us. That's not ministry night. It has to be a real emergency for us to give up Friday. Friday is our time that we're going to spend together with each other. And there's some other folks who are very capable, some of them sitting over here, they're very capable of doing what needs to be done. I don't have to be there to watch it. He doesn't have to be there to watch it. We can delegate it to someone else. Um, I, I guarantee you that the church can go on without you. I, I was, uh, my bishop called me one time and he said, you have to know this man. This is one day and he's coming tomorrow. Uh, I want to see you tomorrow in Venezuela. <laughs> tomorrow in Venezuela? So I kind of hung the phone up and, 
and uh, basically was saying, man, I ain't, I ain't got time to be going to Venezuela. I just started this church in Tampa and everything. And so he calls me back, and he says to me, he says, faith can be bruised but not damaged. I will see you tomorrow in Caracas. And he said this to me. He said, if your church would die because you come to me, be with me in Caracas, it was comatose before you left. Are you hearing me? So your church, if you can't leave for a few minutes to entertain and be and enjoy your family, enjoy your wife, then there's something wrong with your church already. There's something wrong. You need to have some time that you can get alone by yourself. And then sometimes that you get alone with your wife. Uh, real quick, next slide. No, the other thing is that uh, you need to be accountable. You, you need to have somebody else that you can talk to concerning your marriage and your relationship. Finally, you know, of course, we always, we, uh, uh, Brother Ireland talked about it last night, ministry coaching. But we all we need some family coaching sometimes. We need somebody who can tell us you're missing the mark concerning your wife. That little old lady hadn't walked around to that church for me. She, she's been passing for years. She never got a big church. She never had a major church. But she had wisdom. And she, she, had, she had an understanding that I didn't have with a big church. She, she had understanding. And she dropped that little nugget in me that changed my life and probably saved my life. Because it, it can put so much stress upon your body. And so the next thing is that you need to make certain that you are doing it the way he, he tells you to do it. Then you, you follow the blueprint. He, he talks about these were the ordinances that David the king gave. David gave it. And then celebrate victory. I'm trying to work, work through it because of time. You know, you, they, they celebrated the fact that the foundation was laid. Your marriage may not be everything that you want it to be, but if you start building a foundation to build upon, that's a reason to celebrate and I also want to encourage you to find other reasons all the time to celebrate your mate and to celebrate your children. She never cooked a meal for me that I am not grateful for her for cooking that meal and thankful that she did and tell her so. And if I take her out to eat, she, you know, act like we're completely on a date or something. She will know me. Thank you for it. Thank you so much for it. You see, we got to learn to celebrate one another. People laboring for you, they don't have to do that just because they're married to you. Come on now. And so we need to celebrate those, those small victories from the foundation. They didn't have the full building, but they were willing to celebrate what was. You may not have all of the money you need, but y'all to celebrate what you have. I, mean, I remember the first uh, apartment that I had here. When we got married, when I got married, I moved me and my, my wife, I moved her, me and her, in my car. I think it made by two loads, but it was in my car. And we went to this apartment that was on Jefferson Street, where all the semis, when you come through the semis, take the whole place when it comes through. The, the, the landlord never seemed to paint the building. It was, it was like it was dry rot or something. It wasn't even old paint. And the lawn, I almost have machete to come through it sometimes. But we were grateful and thankful to God 
for the foundation He had began to give us to build upon. And we began to thank God for the, the first thing. Uh, it was a friend of mine. I, I was on one of the main streets in Fort Wayne. And he pulled up beside me in his brand new car. And he rolled down his electric windows and I rolled mine down. And uh, he said, hey, Bowling, you still down there preaching? I said, yeah, man, I'm still down there, man. And basically, you know, once you leave the world, you don't have a whole lot to talk to your friends about anymore. After he said, you said, hi, and then his next thing is bye. So he said, okay then, man, bye. He rolls his windows up, and he turns. I turn mine and uh, close it up. And uh, God, you know, God began to speak to me. First, the devil spoke to me. He said, see, if you'd have still been out here, that's how you'd have been right. And then I heard him say, I said, that's right, you were giving it to me. So I am grateful to God for this old raggedy car because it came from him. And I will wait until he's able to do something more for me. You've got to become grateful for the foundation wherever you are in your relationship. You've got to become grateful to God for where you are. Don't look to jump somewhere else before, uh, before time because you're never going to get them closer to the end of your last thing. Here's the last thing, and I think she mentioned this this morning. Here's the last slide. Change brings, it change, first of all, is necessary. But change sometimes can be divisive. And your marriage and everything else has to go through some metamorphosis. It's got to go through some changes. And with every change, that's going to be some strain put upon your marriage. Every time you go through a change, they're going to be strained. But the thing of it is, don't be afraid, like the doctor said last night, don't be afraid of the conflict. Don't be afraid to deal with what you've got to deal with to get to your next position in God. If you read this passage, there are one group of people, they were remembering the old temple, and they were, they were, they were crying. And then the young people, they were, in, they, were, they were excited about what was happening now. And we got to get to realize that there's some things that couldn't happen before that's happening now. I look over this couple, and when I was going to Bible college at CTC, uh, we were studying out of the book, out of Dates Bible. And if you read Dates, Dates at the time was a bigot. Great Bible, but he was a bigot. He, he, he thought if you married outside your race, do, no, no, do not pass gold, do not collect $200, go straight to hell. That's, a, that's the way he thought. And so we were having this debate in this class. And and uh, I'd had coffee with some uh, people in the class, and uh, they were asking me, again, this, this goes to race, and goes especially to the black race, and I'm getting ready to talk about it. And uh, at, at, at the school, there were not any black girls today. There were only white girls. And so the question came out about interracial marriages. And I told them, because of my call, because of my black race, who would not receive me with this girl by my side, back then, things have, like I said, changed. Change come. Change is time. Thank God for change. I couldn't have done what they did. So uh, I got teased forever because I'd taken this one girl to coffee. And it was, all it was, it was coffee. And when they asked me about uh, my relationship, I said, well, i got to have a black girl because what I'm doing is she fainted. The girl fainted in the class, and Phil fainted, oh, and the rest of it, and never let me live that down. <laughs> that, that, that happened. But I, I'm saying all this to say this. Change, is, it has to come. 
It has to come. It has to come. And it will come, but you have to wait on it. What, what I could not do is now God is doing it. Y'all missing this. See, God is doing it. So change in your marriage is the same identical way. Change is going to come. There's going to be some times it's going to be difficulty, a difficulty in the change. But if you hold on, it's going to be all right. My wife got to close the one up. I'm going to close out with this. Absolutely, absolutely do not, do not, do not, do not take each other for granted. Everybody in here, do not do that. Shame on you if you have. Because what an honor it is for someone to choose to love you. When I was alone or single 15 years, you know, um, it was amazing. I, I grew in that. But you really begin to realize how awesome God has put love together when someone bonds with you and they look you in the face and say, I love you. And so I say to each couple, don't take each other for granted and please do not disrespect your mate. God told me to tell couples around the world, when you disrespect each other, you erode your love. Like a wa- water erodes a rock. You can't super glue that rock back because it's just worn out where the water keeps hitting it. So when you keep, you know, oh, you sad, oh, this, and oh, and you don't come home and you know dinner's ready, you don't call, you just disrespect, whatever it is, little or big, stop it. Because God is watching, and Matthew 25, 40 says, if you've done it unto the least of my little ones, you have done it unto me. And I'll close with this. I have a book, The Lord Bless Me Too. Yes. Another thing I want to share with you, it's important that leaders model what marriage is to those who are in your church. Uh, we have a fellowship, as you heard already, and one of our first conventions was in California. One of the ladies in the church uh, that was in the fellowship, she left my fellowship. And so I called her to ask, you know, why? You want to know why you're leaving? What did I do? And she said, you and your wife kiss too much. That's a true story. And so what I saw is that she needed another fellowship anyway because she is not going to stop me from doing that. She just needed some kisses, and that's one other thing. This this, this uh, last uh, mental treasure, God blessed me to publish four books and three CDs on the same day in 2007. This was one of them where uh, there are several mental treasures, 180 of them, and I don't have any here with me. But this this one here, I put in a beautiful gold frame. And if you want this, I can bring it maybe tonight or tomorrow if you'd like to purchase this for your home. It says, Kingdom marriage. Truth to have a mighty marriage full of life. The number one truth is you are now a dynamic duo for the kingdom to bring double glory to God. For two is better than one. Be careful to only attack the evil one and not each other. The second truth to have a mighty marriage full of life. You must reverence and respect God and each other in your home. For the husband creates the atmosphere, and the wife maintains what he creates. So adore each other as gifts from God, and remember, 
no one abuses a gift, verbally or physically. The third truth. You must pray and read the word together daily, for it is your life, and without it you both will stumble. Daily display the fruit of the Spirit, the golden rule, and the three shines. Affection, appreciation, and recognition. And there's scriptures here. And I say to you today, show affection. We did a series at the church for couples because God spoke to me and said, many couples are not touching and kissing anymore. He told me even in our church that some had not had sex in months and years and living in separate bedrooms in other cities that I know. Pastors and wives said, girl, come to me, show you my bedroom. And I said, are you serious? Where's your husband? Oh, girl, he snorts too loud. He's down there on the end of the hallway. No, we have to find something. Find him help. Get him some herbs. I'm a certified herbalist. There's something. Help him lose weight. He won't snore as much. Whatever you need to do, you be together with your snooky. That's your snooky. That is your snooky. And if, if snooky won't hold my hand, who will hold it? So you've got to hold your wife's hands. Open the door for her. We, when we come home, we do not come home without a kiss, and we do not leave without a kiss. That is off limits, and he is not allowed to call me Rhonda. What do you call me? He gave me that name, but my parents never called each other by their first name. Honey, baby, mama, daddy, uh, whatever, but it was, it was mostly baby and honey. Because these keep you, if you mad with each other, you can't stay mad with some woman saying, Pudding Tang, what you want, Putty, Putty, Putty Snooky, what you want, Fred, what you want, what you want, Snooky. He, you, he can't stay mad. So in it, other words, you don't play fair. But I'm just saying, it was ending with this, don't attack each other. Attack the evil one. And if you would like a copy of this in a frame, just let me know afterwards. God bless you all. And listen, let's make God proud how we are treating his daughters and sons as we love each other. God bless you.